Welcome to Roman Records, a podcast dedicated to the joy of vinyl grooves and that sweet brown booze. I'm your host Craig Smith and joined as always by my co-host Craig Templeton. Coming up on the show, we discuss some of our favourite male musical duos, we pair rums with alternative mixers and just about the right amount of dosage of slurred Scottish accents. Please be aware this podcast contains strong language and add-on themes. Please drink responsibly. So Craig, it's been a it's been a few weeks since we did our last episode, Fleetwood Mac and the case of the disappearing guitarists. So what have you been up to the last two or um, three weeks? I, I've been really busy. I've started getting my taste for live music again. Becoming a father kind of holds you back from going to quite a few gigs or makes you feel like you want to stay at home. But now, um, yeah, my wife and I have started going to gigs again. We went to All Points East. Oh, great. Um, she really wanted to see The Strokes. I was never a big fan of them. Turns out it was the first album she ever bought as oh, really? uh, growing up. She was 11 oh, when fuck. The Strokes came out. So, yeah, that was, that was fun. There was quite a few good bands there. I got to see Jarvis Cocker. Um, which was great doing British Institution absolutely British Institution also some new bands um, Amel and the Sniffers this is the Australian, Australian punk band, band. Yeah, punk yeah, band. Yeah. I think uh, my wife who's from New Zealand described them as Bogans which is kind of like what does that mean kind of like hillbilly oh aye okay. they've all got mullets alright like to have their taps off nice so yeah there was that sort of live music but we also booked tickets to go and see David Byrne live in New York City wow that is that will be quite an experience yeah. that will be that would be incredible how about yourself what kind of music have you been into well there's been a lot of new releases so I've been uh, listening to a lot of new music buying a lot of vinyl some of it very good some of it uh, perhaps a little bit questionable impulse impulse buys you know, and, and you, you'll know this and in fact any record collector will know this you go in with a kind of I'm going in there to buy said record and of course you're going to have a browse and then sometimes you just randomly buy something now that can work out great oh it can be like I just thought about this and thought ah fuck it why not I like the cover yeah like you talked earlier on about uh, about about um, Todd Todd Terji Todd Terji yeah 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 that was in Piccadilly Records Aye. as well was that the night of recording our first that was the night of our first podcast and that kind of got us in the mood I think that was the the catalyst. Was that one record? Yeah, I think it, I think it certainly was. Um, so yeah, I've been buying a lot of records. Been enjoying the new Big Thief album in particular, uh, which has been a personal highlight of uh, what I've bought so far over the last couple of weeks, and certainly one of the best albums I've heard uh, this year. Tell us about your lowlights. Well, um, for some reason unknown. I've had a couple of drinks as well. You know, when you go in there, you've had a few... Oh, it's even worse. Well, that's why we, I bought all those records the last time I was Excuse there. Excuse me. And uh, I saw... I mean, it does stand out because of the cover, this teal cover, and I thought, oh, Weezer. And uh, <laughs> I'd heard they're doing their cover of Toto's Africa and uh, another band we're actually going to talk about shortly, but randomly I just bought it. And the abuse I got on Instagram from that... I got <laughs> not, s- not just from me? Not just from you. I got several messages like that. Wow, that was a brave choice. And the interesting thing was, uh, or rather the, the, the sort of double irony was the fact it wasn't even the fucking teal-coloured vinyl. Yeah, I've been seeing everybody post these lovely pictures of the records, which, I mean, you can't polish a turd, but you can make it teal. Ah, exactly. Um, and and yours was, like, was standard black vinyl. I was like, oh... 
And you never know, that could be more of a limited edition because everybody else bought <laughs> the Perhaps. Perhaps. So, uh, yeah, that was certainly a low light, but, but some decent albums uh, that have been released so far over the last sort of few weeks since we last we last did this podcast. So that's what I've been up to. Awesome. Well, as, as Craig alluded, we are going to be talking about a number of bands in this episode. We're not going to focus just on one band. If you looked into this podcast and you saw the word bros, no, we're not going to look at the band. We're not going to discuss that documentary. And there's three of them anyway, so There was three of them, absolutely. There one was, was a, called Craig, the other one was called Craig. That's yeah, the was he, I think he was Scottish. Was he Scottish? I'm pretty sure he was Scottish and he was a bass player. But we're, we're not, we're not we're talking not. about bros. We're talking about bros, okay? Two guys want to make some music. Mm-hmm. We just want to kind of go through and just see the diversity of music that two guys can make two regular Joes and because this is a not just a records podcast but also a rum podcast rum and records we have also going to be accompanying our selections with rum which ordinarily you would pair with coke coke that is probably the most common gin and tonic rum and coke that's what you have absolutely however we did think it would be remiss not to try and find some other potential matching uh, beverages to go with your rum. Perfect partners, I would say. Perfect partners, yes. I mean, Andrew and George, Simon and Garfunkel, rum and coke. We're going to find a new one. So we're going to experiment with some different mixers today. Myself and Craig have each chosen three alternatives to Coca-Cola. And the rum that we're going to be drinking is Havana Club Especial, which is a great mixing rum. Yes, it is indeed. It is a, a, a fantastic mixing rum. One thing I would say is any bar that you go into and Havana Club Especial is the um, the house rum, it's a good bar. Aye. It's definitely a good sign. I would agree with that. I guess while we're on the subject of the, of the beverage, I may as well go into um, my first um, accompaniment, which is I was looking for something kind of lemonadey, but I didn't want to just go for lemonade or Sprite or something like that. Schweppes. Or Schweppes, yeah, God forbid. So this caught my eye when we were in the uh, the, the little kind of sort of convenience store next to where we're, we're recording and this is a is a, a Costin's Press and it's an elderflower lemonade um, which is described as delicate delicate elderflower pressed with lemons and apples and I have to say I mean I've already been wiring into this I should, really shouldn't have been but I'll give it a shot right now I'll give you first impressions <sighs> yeah let me know what you think oh. mm, it tastes face looks interesting do you know when you mix it all together it actually tastes tropical it's quite tropical. I think you wouldn't expect that with elderflower no, and no, apples not, not and at all. I mean, we've obviously got a couple of limes, uh, fresh lime squeezed in here as well. Obviously. But um, I don't mind that. That's it's, I think it's, it's more like a cocktail. It's a bit like a cocktail. It's quite summery. It's quite light. Mm-hmm. Quite refreshing. Whereas if you're drinking rum and cokes all night, the old caffeine and it's like wild. can be a little bit wild. But this is delicious. This is good. I think it's really I think nice. It's a good start. It's, it's got umbungo vibes. It does have a wee bit of the Unbungle vibes, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you you mentioned lemonades, you mentioned Schweppes, and aye. straight in my mind, just went, "I'm a secret lemonade drinker." <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> no, that was R. White's lemonade. I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Oh, aye. And that the person that sang "I'm a secret lemonade drinker" was Elvis Costello's dad. No. Elvis Costello's dad wrote that tune for Seriously? that advert. And he actually starred in the advert. And I'm pretty sure 
Elvis or Declan as he was known back then um, is that what got him into was in the adverts wow once again an education every time we do this podcast <laughs> font of shite knowledge <laughs> absolutely so you've started off with a mixer it tastes pretty good I don't know if it would replace coke in my mind but no it mixes things up an alternative an just alternative to- again I like to think when the night is kind of getting to the last stops and you're you're finding the cheapest rum that you've got left in the house Aye. and you realise you've got no mixers and you don't want to drink it straight you always head to the little store around the corner Aye. you always pick up a selection mm-hmm. and I have to admit everything that I picked up came from around well, the corner well same I mean do you know what amazes me though like in, everywhere in London seems to be like this there's all these little like corner shops that have got this like absolute um, array of yeah. tropical and wonderful. Wow. I mean, we could have got cans. so many that I mean, we'd never tasted. I mean, there's like seven different flavors of Fanta alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to look at our first male duo, and I have to admit that this is probably one of my favorite male duos of all time. And prior to this podcast, I did do a lot of research on quite a lot of the bands. I didn't look into this band at all because really, their album. Songs from the Big Chair It's probably one of the best of the 80s Oh, undoubtedly And it really reminds me Of my good friend Bizzle Who we mention in every podcast <laughs> We actually do, believe it And he always gets left on the, on the cutting room floor So no more, <laughs> third podcast, Bizzle is going to get mentioned Bizzle has made the cut It's official Bizzle's made the cut um, I used to live with Bizzle And I think we kind of discovered Tears for Fears Around about the same time Or I definitely did and he pushed that Discovery. Uh, my original copy is fucked. Right. The the actual the record's good, but the the sleeve is like scratched and pieces missing. It still has the Oxfam one pound sticker on it. Aye. And it just reminds me of the good times that I had with him, and and also the album is fantastic. It's no, it's a great a pop album. masterclass. They won an Ivor Novello award. Everybody wants to rule the world. Yeah, not surprised. Also, it's on. No, go for it. It's on the Teal album as well. <laughs> yeah, and Weezer did a cover of it, which is god awful. So, sticking to the to the Bizzle topic. Yeah. No visit to Glasgow goes without me staying over at Bizzle's at least one night, and we definitely partake in a lot of rum and a lot of records. But the morning is always left to us, listening to, and this has become a bit of a reoccurring event. We'll sit there really hungover and we'll put the Dolby Atmos surround sound on and listen to a 5.1 surround mix of Tears for Fears. And it's one of the most enlightening experiences ever. Stephen Wilson of the Porcupine Tree has remixed quite a few of these classic albums from the 80s. But this one is so layered and so many like timbres of synthesized sounds that Every little minute detail is coming from every angle that you can Aye. imagine. I could pick any song from this album, but I've decided to go with Mother's Talk. Oh, that's a great choice. Which, uh, it's it's quite a mad song. There's oh, quite a lot of changing dynamics, the drums. I, I recently bought this on 7-inch. I went down to the the Discogs crate, hunter, crate Digger event. You never mentioned this. I only managed to go to... One stand, and I bought 47-inch singles. Wow. It, it turns out I'm a fan of 7-inch You are right? indeed. I, I think you need a jukebox, basically, in your house. Aye, that would be great. I think that's got to be the dream for you. That would be cool. Only we 
so that was Roland Orthabal and Kurt Smith of Tears for Fears and one of the biggest selling albums of 1985 was it 85? it was, was 85 it? so it was the year before I was born it is a fantastic album and I'm really glad you picked Tears for Fears it was a tough one because I could have literally picked three bands from the 80s and actually, I, I, I was hugely surprised, spoiler alert here, by the way, you didn't pick Wham as part of your uh, selections. It, it, they were in there. Wham was in there. I can remember uh, when we first like started hanging out together and I was in your flat in part. Was it Partick? Anyway, into the bathroom to to <laughs> take a piss. And then what? Literally facing me in the bathroom is a framed picture of uh, the Wham album. What's the album called? This is Make it, it big. Make it big. Uh, yeah, it was. But it was quite a reassuring. Like they were they were staring at you. It they was. were giving, there was a smile on their face, and I think it was more of a. You're packing, mate. No, <laughs> look at the size of that. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't see that. I very much saw it as a reassuring. Uh, and they were always like, if you sat down the toilet, looking over your shoulder, like it, 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 it was good to have them. It was there. a genius move. Um, but you certainly did um, introduce me to some of the uh, more interesting sort of Wham songs and some of their great covers. Uh, the cover of the Isley Brothers. Um, if you were there, yeah, you, you certainly song. introduced me to that song, and it is one that. Uh, I love to this day so but yeah that was that was Tears for Fears and we're going to move on to our next mixer uh, if you've never had this with rum then you're not a true rum drinker I would no, say you're not this is a Jamaican soft drink um, it, it represents the Caribbean in such a strong light and it's not lilt it is ting ting so a nice can of ting this one cost me 65 pence a zesty fruit fizz and it's grapefruit. Um, I'm not really the biggest fan of grapefruit because I usually find it quite bitter. It's usually really bitter, yeah. But with, I would imagine, with enough sugar <laughs> uh, and sweetener, then all things work out pretty well, as well as it, it cuts through the rum. You have a little shout out to to Stevie Nicks on Instagram. <laughs> the Queen of Ching. The, tw- the Queen of Ching, yeah. If, if it, I, d- I never realised this, but Ching's, Ching turns out it's a Scottish colloquialism. Ching is cocaine. Yeah. Because uh, I typed in Ching just to make sure that everybody would understand it. And it turns out Ching in Cockney Raymond slang is just the number five. Oh, really? So she's not the queen of five. She's the queen of cocaine. Cocaine, yeah. That was pleasing. A very pleasing sound. Again, it looks like a cocktail. There is very much a, a gradient going on there. I know you, you like to try and achieve gradient. <laughs> Usually when you try, you fail miserably, but when you don't, you manage Let's give this a little shot. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Ting, ting. Ting, ting with the ching, ching. No, not the ching, ching. It goes well. It does. Taste it really does. Of something familiar. Remember? Oh, Scotch bonnets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you that haven't listened to the first podcast, you should definitely listen to the first podcast. It is the most... Um, it's the drunkest we've been. It's the drunkest we've been by a long shot, and who knows, we, we may get drunker in future episodes. But the intention was to get drunk as well. Oh, Seven-inch seven singles, seven shots. One of the shots that I brought to the table I made up called a Scotch Bonnet, which was Ray and Nephew Overproof Rum. 
a little bit of ting and some Thank scotch you. bonnet hot sauce. So I'm I'm glad that I'm not sweating or coughing no. profusely after this drink. But it goes well. It does. It does. Okay, let's go on to our next duel. Yes. So this is my, my selection. Uh, and we're, we're very much going to stick with the 1980s. Um, but a very different act, a very different duel. Um, I can't actually remember how or exactly when I got into this duel. They just always seem to be there somewhere in my life in the background. They always seem to be like... Omnipresent. I omnipresent, aware of them. I kind of think they, they look like the quintessential male duel. You know, there's like a blonde guy and there's like a dark-haired guy. And you think of all those like 80s, particularly cop shows. That yes. was always away, oh, wasn't it? So much like cop shows. Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, the ones when I was sort of growing up, and, and obviously I'm a wee bit older than you, was like Miami, Ma- Vice. Miami Vice. My personal favourite was uh, Chips. Chips. Which was, was California Highway Patrol something. <laughs> and it was the guys on the motorbikes. And it was Eric Estrada was the sort of Hispanic dark guy. And I can't remember the blonde guy's name. And I used to have this little kind of tricycle as a child going round, and it was my little Chips mobile. Anyway... I'm living out my kind of childhood memories here but they they very much epitomised that sort of you know if if you took in a manufacture a duo in the 80s you would have probably picked that kind kind of look Uh, and I am of course talking about the one and only Daryl Hall and John Oates better known as just Hall and Oates and Craig when did I know obviously you're a fan as well um, do you remember when you get into them, when you first heard them, I remember getting into them. I, 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 again, they're they're fairly omnipresent. Um, but it was actually a cover. Again, I always discover these guys through covers. <laughs> Fuck, what is it in covers? Oh, I discovered Tears for Fears through a cover. Not the Weezer one. <laughs> no, it wasn't a Weezer one. It was Disturbed. Oh, for they fucks. done Shout. What is wrong with you? I saw, I saw them at Ozfest 2001. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, yeah, actually... Fleetwood Mac through fucking... <laughs> Biffy Clyro. Biffy Clyro. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, there was a cover of um, Your Kisses on my list. Of the best days in life. There was a girl singing that, and it was really good. So, there was that. Also, and this is this is a pet peeve of mine. Oh, um, a bugbear, if you will. A bugbear, um, something that really rips my knitting. Uh, it's it's the term yacht rock. <laughs> okay. Okay, so yacht rock is now a, a term that gets lauded around as if it was an actual thing as in the eighties, as if it was a genre. But it never was. This is from an an internet um, web series type thing that was went really under the radar, and. You could only see kind of grainy versions of it. And it was this group of friends reenacting how famous songs from the 80s came about. But it was all complete lies, <laughs> fabrication. And they used the term yacht rock to kind of describe that laid back, fun feeling um, music. And Hollow Notes were the bad guys. Hollow Notes were the bad Hall guys? Hollow Notes were the bad guys because they were full of rock and roll. Obviously, it was opened up to their songs that way. And yep. then they're. Rock and Soul Part 1 compilation, yeah. which I think everybody owns on vinyl, Aye. has all the classic hits on oh, it. does. And I was so pleased that you picked Hollow Notes, because I didn't have to pick them. Do you know what? I almost left them off, and again, one of my YouTube <laughs> rum-fueled sessions, I ended up listening to about four or five and their songs back to back and I think and their videos I think I text you at times saying they're definitely in yes and that's when I replied and sent you a link to 
Daryl's House. Yes. Did you watch Daryl's House? I did watch oh. it. For anybody that's listening... And I was totally unaware of this. You need to search for Daryl's House. It's another web series, and Daryl Hall invites people to his house to record songs. The absolute best one is another male duo called Chromeo. If you've never listened to Chromeo, please go and listen to Chromeo. Um, but they do some amazing songs together, and they, they cover each other's songs. Oh. One of them was Tenderoni, which is a Chromeo song. Yeah. Um, the other one that stands out is Family Man, oh. which is actually a cover of a Mike Oldfield song. I, 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 I didn't actually realise, but I was listening to that. I see after you sent me, I listened to that one. There must be about three or four guitarists on the that song. The Family Man one at Daryl yeah. Hall's um, house is just... Oh, and it's fucking, a am- fucking amazing. It's, it's so good. I just think they, they sum up everything that's... And don't get me wrong, they've been around since the 70s. But they sum up everything that is uh, kind of good about the 80s. I love the way they kind of fuse together, like rock, pop, and, and what soul. song are we going to listen to? Well, I, you know, this was a really tough choice because they literally have, as you touched on, so many fucking good tunes. Mm. Absolute bangers, as you like to say. Um, but I've settled on... I can go for Anyway, we'll get to that soon. Uh, I was really conflicted because they've got some absolute stonkers. They had six number ones in the US. Um, so think songs like Manny Are, Out of Touch, uh, Family Man, like you mentioned. Really interestingly, though, they had some really good producers before that. Um, a favourite of the pod, uh, Mr. Todd Rundgren, produced one of their early did albums. He? he did. And this one's going to blow your mind even more. Uh, something that we uh, touched upon in a what we kind of call the kind of proof of concept podcast that hasn't actually aired yet uh, was uh, Mr. Robert Fripp. Shut the fuck up, from Robert Fripp. Robert Fripp produced uh, Hall Notes album. So what actually happened? He produced a Daryl Hall solo album, right? Okay. And then he did a lot of recording with the band um, for a for a Hall Notes album, but the label was like, nah, we're not reduced. We're not releasing that. It's too experimental. And they didn't want to produce it because they were just wanting the kind of hit factory. So um, I'm going to go ahead and play this. Hope you enjoy it. And here it is. It's I Can't Go For That, No Can Do by Hollow Notes. think of that one Craigie was that is that one of your your favourites Hollow Notes uh, I was saying to you just as it started the drumbeat always seems too slow because I think it's going to be uh, your kiss and then that almost sub bass comes in just that bass line just drags you in very very low isn't uh, it and then you remember what a classic it is I, I mean I would say it's one of my favourites but I would never put it in my top three no. Um, one thing I just want to say about this is we we were going to do a football related podcast because obviously we've got the Europa League final coming up and the Champions League final. We do, and there is a nice link to Daryl Hall, and that is that the World Cup song in '94 was sang by Daryl Hall. Are you fucking shitting me? No. 
Dal Hall released the, the World Cup anthem for America was I did not know that all I remember musically about the 1994 uh, World Cup finals was Diana Ross missing a penalty oh that was the best <laughs> that was the best at the opening ceremony in Gloryland it's called fucking hell and Dal Hall and the sound of blackness oh okay oh my god that's very American. It started with a feeling and a dream was born in you. Oh my god. Your hope and pray that is uh, you see that dream. That's very, very patriotic American, isn't it? So there you go. There you go. Again, every day is a school day here. Every day is a school day. You know, I'm learning so much here. That was Hall and Oates. We're going to move on to our next pairing to rum, and it's Craig Smith's choice. So, uh, I want to mix up a wee bit now. I think those, those first two are very nice. Um, they were um, perhaps a little bit sort of similar, bizarrely, even though they were quite different in terms of the, the ingredients. And I want to add a little bit of fire in here. And perhaps more of a kind of classic pairing to rum, and I've gone for uh, I've gone for ginger beer, of course. Now I was going to go for the old Jamaican spice one, but I decided not to. I find just a wee bit fiery for my personal taste. Uh, so I've gone for the old uh, Bundaberg, which is the the Australian uh, concoction. Yeah, we're going to go with a ginger beer, which actually on our Instagram, I need to give a little shout out to Jen McCallum, who is in China. Another China, another China. person from China listening to this podcast, well, which you and I can agree that oh fuck blows our minds. It does really, it, it really does, and we've. Um, but I, w- I was in control of the Instagram when I replied, and I was like, "Oh, dark and stormy." But Craig actually corrected me on this. Well, yes, this, this, this is something I found out fairly recently. So, dark and stormy. In order for it to be a proper dark and stormy, it needs to be with Gosling's black rum. Now, Gosling's essentially invented the dark and stormy. It was their concoction to, I guess, increase the sales of Gosling's black rum. So I'm just going to pour this in here. It's, again, it looks the same as the last two. Um, I'm guessing it's going to taste... This is the thing about mixing with things that aren't Coke, is they all kind of look the same. They kind of look sort of like yellowy, browny... Urine. Urine-y. Um, but this one is going to taste pretty different. So, Craig, uh, down the hatch we go. Here is not a dark and stormy, but a, a rum and ginger beer. Oh, that's good. I was never a fan of rum and ginger beer. Oh. But as my as I get older, yeah, that's really nice. The taste buds change. Um, it's, as, it's as if I'm eating like an own brand ginger nut. You know, they're aye, not putting that much ginger aye. in it. It's not too... But like, it's, it's soft. It's not so bubbly. Yeah. It's a little bit more... Uh, Subtle. So, Craig, um, we're now going to move on and talk about our third musical male duo. So now, it's yeah. back to yourself. So, the next band I'm going to talk about are a French duo. Oh. And it seems that France has a special talent for spitting out duos of the electronic persuasion. I mean, you've got Air, for example, with <sighs> their kind of dreamy analog synths and vintage pop stylings. Um, and on the other end of that spectrum, you've got Justice, who effortlessly blend their disco and house influences 
with more abrasive elements like prog and metal. But I'm going to stick to the biggest stars of the scene. I'm going to look into Daft Punk. Okay, so it may, I mean, everybody will know Daft Punk. Oh, 100%. Everybody will probably know the album that I'm going to talk about, which is Discovery. Or if, you, if you're really into it, you want to call it Disco Very, because it is a very disco <laughs> record. But there's actually a link to Glasgow. Oh, really? With Daft Punk. I don't know if you know about this. No, I don't. Did you ever hear the rumours that Daft Punk were going to play in the Arches? No. You know, you weren't that there. That would have been a fucking amazing gig. That would have been an amazing gig. And the reason that there's a link to Glasgow is that in September 1993, mm. Daft Punk, the two guys in Daft Punk, Guy Manuel de Homo Cristo and Thomas Bangletter, um, they, went to, they went to a rave at Euro Disney. A fucking rave at Euro they Disney? They went to a rave at Euro Disney and they met one Stuart McMillan, mm-hmm. who is a co founder of the label Soma. Oh. Soma Records, yeah. Soma Records were actually the first record label to put out a Daft Punk final. Yep. This is where the rumour came that Slam, who is... Um, oh, it's the big... Uh, is the DJs. The DJs, DJs yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they co-founded Soma and they were having a birthday party and everybody thought, fuck, Daft Punk are going to come and play at that birthday party because they put out their first single. It didn't happen. Ah, right, okay. It didn't happen. Would have been um, epic if it did, but sadly not. It wasn't to be. But after that, after that single came out, they returned to the studio and they brought out Da Funk, which everybody knows. One of the standout singles from Homework, their debut album, and it had a really good video. Do you remember the video? It's one with the dog, the guy with the dog's head. Do you know who directed that? Was it Spike Jones? It was Spike Jones, absolutely. So. They actually released a couple of videos. They had Da Funk and they had Around the World. Oh, yeah. Which was um, Michel Gondry. That video was mental as and well. And that's actually, before that, they didn't have the whole robot shtick. Is this when the whole robot they thing actually came where in? They, that's where the helmets came from. So the helmets came from when they said that they had an accident in the studio and they became robots. Right. Okay. They also, with the, with the release of their second album, they released a, uh, a movie called Interstellar 5555, the story of the secret star system. And that's actually what all the music videos are from. You know the Blue Aliens? Aye. That, if you put all the music videos together, forms the movie. All right. I really enjoyed Discovery because it's moved away from the kind of Detroit house, Chicago kind of house of um, homework, and they've moved into more of a disco full of samples I love. When people sample things. Oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna listen to Daft Punk. So there we go. Um, I would probably say the number one French duo. I can't really name another duo that's as popular as Daft Punk. A band, as you say, came from a kind of house underground. This album came out in the kind of in my golden age of MTV. I Aye. remember discovering like MTV Two, Viewers Choose, all that sort of the stuff. The Box, The Box, Kerrang, all these kind of music channels that I would just flick through. 
and their videos always stood out and were so engaging and then you would discover things like Around the World and Da Funk and yeah they were just some band and then no, they weren't so good in the third album which no. which takes me to the third album rule which um, again I keep talking about this in every episode we will get to it one of these days we will delve into this in more detail at some point thank you for reminding me of how good an album that is and I will certainly go back and check it out And you have to buy it so let's move on to our next duo which is another one of uh, my choices oh, I thought we were going to do my rum Oh, sorry, I, I, I have, uh, because I've been silently sipping this <laughs> in the back. Secret sipping. Secret, I, I, I secret have, skittle bombs. I have once again got ahead of myself. So, Craig, apologies. Um, let's let's well, talk about the rum. You went from one classic, which is which was a ginger beer, to my favourite non-Coke mixer, which is apple juice. A still cloudy apple juice. None of this apple juice from Concentrate. Do you know what? You, again, introduced me to this concept of pairing apple juice with rum, and I'm like... It's like the best replacement to Coke, and it gives you a completely different factor. I actually feel like when you put apple juice with a rum, Mm. you can have more rum in there. Yeah, you Um, can. And it stops the fizz. You could could definitely go apple tizer, but that's going to give you a completely different drink. A completely different drink. A nice cloudy apple juice, nice and still... A little bit of lime just to open up that apple juice. And if you're going to go for a summery drink, yeah. here's, here's a really top tip. If you've got something kicking about that's really, really spiced, let's say a Sailor Jerry's or a Morgan's, let's say somebody bought you for Christmas and it's still in your cupboard. When it gets to summer, what you want to do is you want to get a big glug of that spiced rum, mm-hmm. pour that in a blender. Right. Then, then you want to throw in either some cinnamon sugar syrup or some sugar syrup with a little dash of cinnamon Oofed. lots of ice lots of apple juice nice. blitz that into a smoothie and it tastes just like apple pie that sounds amazing one, one word of warning yeah. if you take too much cinnamon it can actually increase your heart rate and I remember making my own <laughs> cinnamon I remember making my own cinnamon syrup and serving out these drinks like a fucking lab rat lying naked on the bathroom floor just a, a, like Natalie and Brulia. Um, you've already drank half of it, so it must be pretty good. Well, you've been chatting away and I've been slogging away. Um, fantastic. Uh, a, a great uh, alternative to Coca-Cola. We're now going to move on and talk about our next duo, our next meal duo. And uh, we're kind of going to switch gears here a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk about, for me, one of the most chilled artists of all time. Um, I like to uh, listen to this band in, in a variety of situations <laughs> <laughs> soaking in the bar and the bar and the bath even um, sort of uh, lying on the couch of an evening with some candles on and a glass of rum in hand um, or even just in the background while I'm working away or whatever I'm doing I think a, a really great band uh, they hail from uh, uh, is it Bergen? Bergen's I Bergen, yeah, yeah. Bergen in Norway, and it is of course uh, the calm instrumentation of Kings of Convenience. Um, and I think there are there are band um, of uh, who take I think quite a, an American kind of folky sound. And put their own sort of Scandinavian slant on it. Yeah, they are like a Scandi, Simon and Garfunkel. They very much are. They very much are. They've got such 
calming voices and little plinkly plankle guitars and a little bit of uh, piano here and there. Absolutely, and, and there's sort well, restraint, I would Very, say, the words. Yeah, the word the, is. yeah, and you've talked about this before, how they, what they hold back more than what they give is almost part of their charm and yeah. part of the skill of what they do. And, and like Craig said, the restraint is the biggest skill is the fact that they know when to hold back. Because mm. um, anybody else playing these songs, they would want to... Yeah. Like, really want to push it out. These guys, I don't know how they get so relaxed. Maybe they record it in the bath. I don't know. It sounds like they're fucking doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're definitely. in a fucking sauna. And I think maybe it's something to do with that cool kind of... Sc- I mean, the Scandinavian lifestyle. Um, I don't want to, like... Broad brush Scandinavia is like the is like one place because I know there's many nuances of that. Um, but if if I can for a moment, um, <laughs> they, they certainly seem to have um, fantastic sort of uh, laws on um, work life balance and you know having more time to off if you're a father or a mother. There's certainly a, a for me for a band that's only had three albums, three studio albums. To feature in this list is pretty pretty big, actually. I'd like to point out that three albums is the optimum number of animal albums <laughs> that any band should release. Yeah. And if there's a band out there that have done three albums, stop now. Stop Just now. Qu- quit while you're ahead, I think Greg is saying. Right, look at Weezer. Look at what they've done. Stop. Yes. Um, and I think because I've only got three albums, I, I savour them much more. And, and it was an interesting little kind of nuance as well that I noticed almost exactly to the second each album lasts 45 minutes. Shut up. Yeah. And you're talking about restraint. The first the, fir- the first of the three albums is actually called Quiet as a New Loud. And again, that new whole restraint. The second album, which is by far and away their best yes. in, in, in my mind, is a... Right on an empty street. Um, it's got some absolute fucking bangers. In fact, the whole album is one of those albums you can just put on, all killer, no filler, very calming, very um, comforting, but it's got some really standout tracks. My favourite thing about this album, and I only, I've only i only owned it for a week, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed the album for longer than that, but trying to find a, a copy of it is quite hard. Um... My favourite thing is, no matter what side of the album you start on, it starts with a hit. It does, yeah. But this is a kind of duo that of really to be savoured, as I said, that they've they've only done three albums since their first album in like two thousand one, I think. Um, and they tend to sporadically put albums out. Um, I don't want to talk about this anymore because I want you to listen. I just want to listen to, to this song. Uh, this song for me is quite possibly their best song. Uh, this song is called Misread. It's the second song of the second album, uh, and this is uh, Kings of Convenience. Enjoy.
Welcome back. That was uh, Kings of Convenience with their, in my opinion, best song, Misread. Uh, and certainly one of uh, Norway's finest exports, along with, of course, Roxette. And a ha. Awesome. Cool. Well, we have got... Two more tracks to go and we two do. more mixers to we go. We do, and uh, we're going to now move on to the next mixer. And I was very determined to get this, and it was weird because I kind of thought of this before I knew it was a thing. I was like, I really want to have that. And I was like, oh, that fucking exists as a thing. Um, so I was looking for uh, something that was pineapple-based, but I didn't want it to be still. I didn't want it to be pineapple juice because no. pineapple juice can be really tart. Do you know pineapple just can remove your fingerprints? It's fucking so like um, acidic. Yeah, yeah. You can if you put your fingerprints in pineapple juice overnight, it can start. I can believe your it. I can fucking believe that shit. So I saw this, and it's a it's actually sparkling pineapple juice. Again, it looks Caribbean. It's called a uh, ka or k ka. I would say ka. Uh, about like the Ford car, a little tiny car. Uh, hopefully it's a bit better. The sugars in this are very high, so uh, it's definitely... Uh, oh, but it's pineapple, mate. It's fruit sugar. No, it's all right. It's one of your five a day. Um, so we're going to give this a bash. It looks pretty good. 15p, again, from the, the local convenience store. We're going to spat this bad boy open. And we're going to uh, we're going to pour it into the to to the Havana rum that is sponsoring this podcast. Oh, imagine that it's it's the same color as all the other drinks that we've drank tonight. And maybe a little lighter, but still. No, it is indeed. Pishy yellow. It is pishy yellow. So perhaps if you're if you're if you're enjoying a rum with a different uh, mixer, maybe look at some sort of like frosted tinted glass, <laughs> so you don't want like you're drinking a sample. Yeah, or, or like a mug. Or a mug. Kind of like an animal mug. Make it look like a zombie. Little fucking Put a wee, po- put a wee uh, passion fruit on there. Well, I feel like we're supposed to be. Selling fire. So let's give this a little sniff. This smells fantastic. It smells like, uh, you know, boiled sweets, pineapple chunks. It also smells of a rum that we had over dinner. You had a very nice rum. I had the plantation pineapple, and it indeed was delicious. Although it made me question what was in it. Yeah. Because it tastes so much like pineapples. Well, um, yeah, on the nose it smells... It's very... Sugary sweet, sugary. but very pineapple, like you said, boiled sweets. Um, and if we have a little taste... Have a little taste of this. It's good. It doesn't mask the rum at all, though. No, it doesn't. The rum's pretty strong throughout that. I, I was worried it would. There's nothing pushing that rum back. No. It's pretty flat. I quite like that. So... Again, another alternative to Coca-Cola. Um, Quite a cheap alternative as well. 59p, can't beat it. So, moving on, Craig. Your final selection, our penultimate selection of the evening, and who or whom have you chosen? Well, this is quite an odd choice because we're going to dip our toes into the world of drone music. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever really kind of Went in there. It's it's a close relative to ambient yes. music. Oh. Now, it was really difficult to make the choice here because this drone band actually links into another favourite drone band of mine. They actually have one of the same members in there. But I decided to go with the the OGs 
the, yeah. the kind of original drone band and I really have no idea how I've ever managed to go to sleep without this band and um, they're called Stars of the Lid and Stars of the Lid really comes from the idea that they were playing movie soundtracks that you would listen to while you're falling asleep so actually it's the your eyelids the lid is your mm. eyelids and the stars are what you're imagining wow um, but they're an American duo um, consisting of Brian McBride and Adam Wiltsey Brian McBride such a Scottish I name isn't it Brian oh, my oh. name is Brian oh Brian Brian McBride big Brian McBride big Brian fucking big Brian <laughs> Brian oh. so um, they formed in Austin in 1993 obviously their influence was the ambient innovator that is Mr. Brian Eno. Another famous Brian. Another Brian. Um, and their sound has been described as a divine classical drone without the tedious intrusion of drums or vocals. Interesting. The thing I love about them is that this kind of lush, ambient drone just calms me like nothing else in this world. Um, it's on multiple playlists that I've made. One that sticks out is called Hotel Sleep. And that was made when I was traveling with work and I had to share a room with someone that I'd never met. Yeah. Um, so that was the standard track on Hotel Sleep. I actually managed to see Stars of the Lid live in Cork, Cork, Ireland. Um, at this place Top called- of the fucking morning to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I managed to see him at was this place called the Triscoll Arts Centre, which is like an old reformed church. Nice, nice. And the sheer magnitude of the sound was was a complete surprise. It was akin to witnessing a classical representation of a doom metal band. Like, it was so slow and heavy and unforgiving, but it had the softness of strings. Nice. And the warm kind of embrace. They had this massive analogue synth that was the size of a wall. Wow. Um... But yeah, Stars of the Lid are such a standout band. The album that I'm going to discuss actually lasts for two hours. And I managed to buy that record at that gig. Um, they just re-released it on Cranky. So basically one and a half, uh, sorry, two and a half uh, Kings of Convenience albums. Yeah, two and a half Kings of Convenience albums, absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly how we're going to start measuring things. <laughs> I mentioned this at the beginning, but it was really difficult to choose between Stars of the Lid in Wilsey's current project with um, famed pianist Dustin O'Halloran. Have you heard of Dustin O'Halloran? The name rings a bell. We, we all bought that Late Night Tales Bonobo album. Oh, fuck yeah. So the first track, the piano, dun, 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 oh, is dun, 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 oh, dun, that him? Oh, Dustin O'Halloran. Again, talking about a song or like an album to sleep to. Oh, Late Night Tales. Um, we should probably just do a podcast on Late Night Tales. I, I, Fantastic compilation. We definitely will. So their current project is actually called A Winged or a winged victory for the sullen. Um, that is, I have to say, that is a fucking phenomenal name. They were actually featured on the BBC Proms. The BBC Proms, I think a year or two ago, did a, an in-depth look at ambient and drone music, which is amazing that the BBC done this. Um, but I really, like I said, I wanted to celebrate the OGs, and I definitely know that I want to talk about a winged victory yeah. for Sullen in future episodes Not because be well. Be well. ultimately I think it's in my top five albums. Their debut is one of the most beautiful pieces ever. But if you've never listened to drone music, do not expect sharp changes. <laughs> Uh, don't expect up tempo. You may actually hear the same note resonate for minutes. Yeah. Um, another link to football, 
Okay, this is going to link. This is going to be a bit weird. I know we talked about Dar Hall. linked them with football. Was but like, but like Stars of the Lid, actually, on this album, which is called "And the Refinement of the Decline," yeah, it actually features a song called "Dopamine Clouds Over Craven Cottage," which of course is uh, Fulham's Fulham's home. And home actually, it starts with um, a little bit of commentary from a football match. Wow, I did not know that. And to to be honest, I, I am vaguely familiar with this album and this artist um, but I'm very glad that you've brought something again something like different to the table here and something new for listeners so this is uh, Stars of the Lid uh, the song is called Dung Titled in A Major enjoy Welcome back. We're about to talk through our final mixer and our final male duo. And the honour of the final mixer goes to myself. And we're going to look at Bars Laymade. Laymade, ladies and gentlemen. Can we talk a little bit about Bars, actually? Well, I, I was going to start with that. I was like, a good Scottish boy, something nice and cheap. I'm not going to do rum and iron brew, which we actually we did on my wedding. Remember? You bought everybody a round of rum and iron brew. Did Yeah, it was the second bar we went to. Oh, is it, was that in Ashton Lane? Ashton Lane, we went to vodka, vodka, and we ordered rum. Now, my reasoning behind this, again, is it's late night, you've drank through all your mixers, you've got a little bit of rum left, and you want to enjoy the night. Generally, these, um, and what we found out tonight, is generally these convenience stores don't always have... Um, a selection of limes no, they, they may don't. have lemons but they don't have limes no they don't so an easy way of getting around that is well let's have your main drink consist of nothing but limes and that's why we're going to go with Bar's Limeade which is 45 pence I would say that's probably the cheapest uh, mixer un- that we have undoubtedly it's been the cheapest mixer of the evening ladies and gentlemen good old Scotland for you and actually see if you look at all those uh Come on, come on, those kind of traffic light kind of systems at the side, all green. Zero percent, zero percent, eight percent, minus Brilliant. under one percent. Healthy Scotland. <laughs> Healthy. We're actually finishing this bottle of rum. Well, put a little bit more in mind for fuck's sake. It's coming, it's coming, it's fucking coming. Aye, very, very good, mate. Yeah. Look at the fucking. No, but I've got a lot of ice. In Aye, all right. So my idea was when life doesn't give you limes. <laughs> Buy Limeade <laughs> I like that That's cool. So we're going to go with Bar's Limeade Again Another kind of yellowishy green um, Colour So it kind of shows <laughs> that all other mixers Look like pish What your urine will look like in the morning I think it'll look a bit more like that rum un, un, uh, <laughs> Unmixed You've not been drinking enough water And drinking too much alcohol Look at that That's very fucking Ostentatious the way you're porting them. Yeah, I've been to Morocco. This is how they do tea. So we have oh, limeades. Fucking hell. Bar's limeades with a little bit of rum. In fact, you put quite a lot of rum in there, so it might be affecting the taste. It's actually better than I expected. It, it's um, reassuringly 
the taste of home. Good old bars. I love a bit of bars. I would be happier if this came in the glass bottle. Yes. Oh, God. We've only got cans here, but if this was a did, glass bottle Did of you ever have, like, the... the what I, I don't know, we've had this debate before, like... The ginger man? The ginger man. He came round with the crates. Only at my granny's house. My granny's, well, she used to get the ginger man. What is it with granny's and the ginger man? We loved it. So we used to get Curry's Red Cola. Oh! American Cream Soda. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. No? That reminds me of Panda Pop too much. No, anyway, we, we, we digress. However, let's talk about an, um, another famous... Scottish duo let's finish on a high here and it is um, what I would describe as uh, one of Scotland's finest exports in recent times and of course I'm not talking about the Proclaimers (laughs) (laughs) well we could have done the Proclaimers Uh, yeah we could have Craig and Charlie uh, but I've got I've got so so much love for this band we I've got lots of uh, affection but uh, yeah it's, 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 it's a band that um, was the first one of the first bands I ever saw live and it was their first concert Arab Strap brainchild, if you like, of uh, lyricist, vocalist Aidan Moffat, who we will uh, almost certainly celebrate in his many guises in a later episode. Absolutely. And his uh, compatriot and childhood friend, Malcolm Middleton, who is the multi-instrumentalist of the band, so to speak. And Malcolm Middleton has also released some stellar albums and also came with an earshot of becoming uh, Christmas number one aye do you remember that no he released a single we're all gonna die we're all gonna die and um, someone uh, at radio I think it, was, it must have been radio one um, picked up on this and was this a protest it. again to the fucking X Factor shape it was his uh, his first solo album is fucking dynamite it's called like Flockside Seagull Alcohol something oh, yeah, yeah. anyway back to Arab Strap so first time I saw them was at um, King Tut's it was their first bat. It was their first gig as well happened to be they were supporting Delgado's I was taken there with my cousin Mark so shout out to Mark I know you listen to the pod thank you Mark for that but I think the reason I, I, I grew so attached to them was here was again someone who was Speaking a bit like me, uh, talking about stuff that could be my exp- in my experience or in my friend's experience, and you know all all this kind of crazy stuff, and and it was a uh, but but musically very different. You know, you know, you've got these kind of like almost techno drum beats you've got uh, Malcolm Middleton's sparse guitar instrumentation often acoustic and you've got Aiden just his kind of monologue over the top quite often spoken and not sang he did sing on that single though he did and he does he does occasionally does occasionally sing um I mean, shortly after I saw, I saw them, uh, followed their debut album, uh, The Week Never Starts Around Here, um, which was very much uh, spearheaded by the single 
the first big weekend, which uh, was very much championed by Radio 1, in particular the late, great John Peel, who uh, described it as the, the song of the decade. However, we're not going to be listening to that track. Well, not, because I think most people, I'll say most people, the majority of people who know about the band will know about that song. They followed it up with Philophobia, which was, uh, which I think means The Fear of Love, I believe. Um, it was certainly a bigger sounding album. That's the album that I know yeah. for them best. Yeah. Packs of Three is, is probably one of the best opening songs ever. and probably the best opening line ever. Or best opening um, line. It was the biggest cock you've ever seen. But you have no idea where that cock has been. It just... You know, this people singing and talking this kind of stuff was like not in the mainstream, and I don't think it exists anywhere else. Uh, so Craig talks a lot about third album rule, and I think from this point on there was a slight, maybe not a slight, I'm being a bit kind. There was a definite dip in quality, but the track I've chosen is called "Love Detective." And it's a tale of a. Um, I suppose a paranoid boyfriend who's obsessed with his girlfriend's little secret box of tricks that she seems to keep under her bed locked mm. and he has no idea what's in it. He's like, what the f- why is she locked this and what's in there? And um, However, one day he she leaves work and forgets her keys and he manages to sneak into the box and his suspicions are confounded when he finally gets in to discover a sex diary it's a very unusual on a strap track in the sense that the vocals are like overly fuzzy the piano is like banging just banging beat I actually bought it on 7 inch and got this amazing poster with it uh, and it's like a kind of 70s kind of almost like pin up spread across a bed um, she's she's in her underwear but she's covered up and uh, got the brow and big kind of hair but it had a very very cool kind of like 70s sort of like taken with a Vaseline over the lens type approach to it and it's an absolute banger of a track and it's probably one you probably don't know about Arab Strap so I'm going to shut up now because I've been prattling on for probably far too long Craig's going to cut most of this shit out and I'm going to play you Love Detective from the Red Thread from Arab Strap enjoy Detail the recent adventure up the park where well, boy she said she'd forgotten about. So that was episode three. Six male musical duos and six alternative rum mixers. If you like the songs we played, you can listen along to the company playlist on Spotify. Remember to subscribe to keep abreast of all new episodes, including a new feature of bonus mini-episodes. In the first instalment, my taste buds are put to the test on a blind tasting. Please remember also to send us any feedback, questions or comments on all major social channels at Robin Records. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time at Robin Records.